when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Any idiot can say whatever they want, and they usually do, and they're negative. And all I see, to me, I've gotten to a point now when I see things like that, I feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sunbelt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything in South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And again, flying solo, Shane's still on the old vacation, but that's all right because we don't have a ton to cover on this episode. Do got some really good comments, so we'll get to that. But hey, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the day this uh, podcast comes out, we are officially 30 days from the first SEC Saturday. And of course, you know, it's even less than that for uh, Tennessee fans because they open uh, the season on a Thursday. So... Man, right around the corner here, we have comments from Mizzou and Tennessee coaches on this podcast, and we're going to have a ton more in the coming days. We got uh, the entire SEC starting this weekend, Florida, Auburn, South Carolina, LSU, all starting before the week is up. So we'll have comments from all those coaching staffs, as well as uh, any and all that uh, have media availabilities, media days and all that. So you know, I'm just getting really fired up for it. Fall camp is officially started here on Rocky Top, and it's going to be kicking off all across the SEC. We're basically not even counting down the days. We're counting down the hours for fall camp all across the SEC. So exciting times. Glad you guys are here. But let's just get right into it. One little note before we start hopping around the league. I've not seen a ton of these announcements. I was really hoping we didn't have to deal with uh, any of this this year. But uh, LSU and South Carolina have come out and both said, hey, the plan is still go. We're full board for 100% capacity. I've not seen anybody suggest. There's not been a single SEC school that has come out and said, we're not going full 100% capacity. So certainly hope that continues. And we'll keep you guys updated as more programs kind of come out and state their claim. And I, Because I know it's you know people buying tickets, people making travel plans. But as I sit here on Wednesday, those are the, the two latest that I've seen. South Carolina, LSU, come out and said 100% capacity, still a go. Everything's going to schedule. So just wanted to make that little item. And like I said, as soon as we hear you know, other schools announce that, uh, we'll let you guys know because the last thing I've, I'd hate for people to make travel plans or buy tickets and then not be able to go to the game. So I uh, just wanted to make that little note. But, hey, enough of that stuff. 
Let's kick it around the league, starting with uh, a trip down to Columbia. M-I-Z! All right, so Missouri's opening camp here, and uh, believe it or not, we don't have Drinkowitz yet. He didn't have any comments here, but we do have what I thought were some really interesting comments from Steve Wilkes, the uh, new defensive coordinator there in Como. And, of course, he comes from the NFL. He's been in the NFL a long, long time. and been a defensive coordinator. He spent one year as uh, the Arizona Cardinals head coach. We obviously uh, talked a lot about that when that happened and came away very impressed with what we saw from his unit uh, there can't really call it a spring game but uh, like a spring exhibition they had there and pretty much any time I've heard this guy speak come away very impressed and that continues because uh, uh, he spoke here on Wednesday and one of the big things that uh, Drinkwitz has been touting at uh, SEC media days was his defensive line gotta get better on the line of scrimmage and that's what's uh, something Steve Wilkes hits on you know they took Akeel Byers to SEC media days one of the team leaders, uh, Trajan Jeffcoat, one of the most underrated defensive players, maybe not just defensive linemen, but all defensive players in the SEC. Kobe Whiteside has flashed some in the past. And, uh, you know, here's one name to know, Travion Ford, highest rated signee in Missouri's class last year. So freshman lineman here coming into Como. Uh, that looks like, according to Steve Wilkes, the defensive line is going to be one of the strengths, not just of the defense, but the entire team. And, and you have to understand, my mindset has always been that way. Wherever I coach um, within the system, it all starts up front. You know, uh, coming off the ball, creating a new line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't care how great you are on the perimeter. If you don't have guys getting to the quarterback, it doesn't really matter. So uh, I like where we are. I like our rotation. Um, Darius Robinson, Akil Byers, those guys have stepped up and performed well. Um, you're looking at some of the young guys uh, that has come in, Montgomery, Wingo, uh, all those guys I think are going to be able to help us at some point in time, particularly the young guys. So uh, Kobe's back this year, um, you know, from a standpoint of uh, being out most of the spring. This guy's had a tremendous summer. Uh, I love the way he's moving around right now. So. Uh, Coach Drink is right. Our script is going to be up front. I'm looking forward to those guys setting the tone for us. All right, and then his next comment, I really like these comments. It was something that uh, Drinkowitz kind of sold when he was made the decision to hire Steve Wilkes. You know, they wanted to be able to not only, you know, so many programs sell you on, we can get you to the NFL, we can develop you, we'll get you to where you want to go. But Steve Wilkes has been there, he's lived it, and that's kind of something – you know, he didn't go that route completely here, but uh, with his mindset, they're going to be very aggressive. They're going to focus on takeaways, and not only takeaways, but I love the fact that he points out our mindset is going to be on scoring on defense, not just turning the ball over. And that's something that uh, did in, his defenses did in the NFL, led the entire NFL in takeaways multiple occasions during his run there in the NFL. So again, it goes back to, you know, it's one thing for a coach to come out here and say, I mean, they all say, yeah, we put an emphasis on takeaways, all that. That's great to hear, but can you actually do it? And he's proven in the past that he can do it. And, you know, I know this team didn't win the national title. Sometimes I get mocked for saying this, but, uh, you know, I think the best defense I've ever seen in the SEC, 2016 Alabama, they lost in the national championship game. But if you recall, that was the defense – 
I can't remember the exact stat, but it was some ungodly number, like seven, eight, nine games in a row. They scored a touchdown on defense. And I believe that they were scoring about 40 points a game. So when you're scoring that much and the defense is scoring on top of it, I mean, it just makes you incredibly tough to beat, obviously. So that's what they're looking to bring here at Missouri. And I really like these comments here from Steve Wilkes. Uh, We're going to mix it up a lot. You know, it's all depending on who we're playing based off the scheme. We want to incorporate that particular week. Uh, But we're not going to sit back. You know, we're going to be aggressive in what we're doing and trying to set the tone on the defensive side of the ball. Takeaway is a big theme in, the, in, in every defensive meeting room all the time. It, it, it is. You know, it's not only taking the ball away, but it's the mindset of trying to score on defense. You know, that has always been the, the nature of this system wherever I've been uh, and the mindset. I've, I've been around Lovey Smith at Chicago. We led the league in takeaways. You know, in Carolina, we led the league in takeaways. So uh, that is my mindset has always been. And uh, those guys understand that. And we put a point of emphasis each and every day on that. All right, final thing. I just wanted to make note of this because uh, college football really is, at this time, it's really the cutting edge. I mean, we're seeing the air raid takeover in the NFL. Where'd that come from? It came from college. And now you're starting to see in the NFL them adjusting to you know smaller linebackers that can cover all over the field. Hell, they, we've been doing that in college football for several years here. And I just thought it was fascinating that a guy with decades of experience in the NFL asked about adjusting to life in college and the thing that stood out to Steve Wilkes was just the tempo uh, that uh, you know he's just not used to seeing in the NFL. It's not so much about uh, the surprise you know the the tempo is definitely something uh, that's been different and uh, I've been able to experience that this spring uh, going against our offense they do a great job of really you know picking up the pace, putting the defense on the heels, and allowing us having to uh, respond to that. So that's b- really the biggest thing with me. But we've been able to uh, adapt to that and adjust. Uh, so it's been great. All right, but uh, Steve Wilkes isn't the only Missouri assistant uh, that I thought had some really interesting comments here. Casey Woods, the tight end coach, and more importantly for this segment, the recruiting coordinator, because Missouri – you know, we've hit on this during the offseason. They're really killing it on the recruiting trail this cycle. They've got 12 commits. They're currently, the class is rated in the top 25 nationally with tons of spots still remaining with many four- and five-star prospects still on the table. And we're talking of the class, half are from the state of Missouri. That's obviously key. That's something they've emphasized since uh, Drinkowitz got there. Half are four-stars. Half of Missouri's class right now, six of the 12 are four stars. All six of those guys ranked in the top 300 nationally. And perhaps more importantly, the quarterback, Sam Horn, that's committed. He's from Georgia. He's the highest rated prospect in the recruiting class. And that's what you want, obviously. You want the most important player on your team to potentially uh, be the best player on your team. And, you know, I know recruiting rankings don't truly define that, but uh, that's a nice little feather in, in Drinkowitz's cap and the Missouri Tigers. So uh, Casey Woods was asked about uh, Missouri's recruiting success. And then if you caught it on our last episode, go back. Anwar Richardson, the uh, Texas writer for Orange Bloods, you know, what was it something we, we hit on? This expansion of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC is only going to serve to help the Missouri Tigers. And that's something 
that Casey Woods believes as well. With recruiting, what, what do you think has been the key for you guys? You guys are getting players that have never wanted to come to Mizzou in the past. It seems. Um, I, I don't know what they've done here in the past. I do know that you know the things that we said we were going to do when we got here, we've done, and we've put major emphasis on doing that, um, and we've continued to pour into um, what this state ought to be and, and what this school ought to be inside of it, you know, and how it can represent everybody on on all four corners. I know that there's four states within this state, and having a chance to pull all those together and get everyone pulling in the same direction, and um, certainly we've made an impact. But I think. To answer your question, it's largely just it's a grassroots effort to get back in there with the high school coaches, get back in there with uh, young prospects, get back. You know, you got to create fans because I think there was a, a quote by you know a guy that we were recruiting early on that said something about him when he was in third grade at a books fair, picked up a Missouri poster and hung it in his room, and you can imagine boy, how we got to get posters in kids' rooms. You know what I mean? That's so they make sure that five, ten years from now that they understand what it is that's, you know, where, where it is they want to play, so, standpoint. Casey, you already recruit against Oklahoma a fair amount, Texas maybe a little bit less, but what, I know, we don't know when it's happening, but right. what does that change for you, them being in the SEC, anything? I think it's great, I think it's great for us. I think that's just another, boy, here they, you know, as, as blue blood and stalwart of programs as they've been, um, throughout college football history and, you know, for them to want to be a part of what it is that we're doing here that we've already, you know, been a part of, I think that that uh, puts us in a competitive position. I, I think that, you know, particularly in this state, which is where we said we're going to start, you know, I, uh, we, we're as fearless now as we've ever been, and we've got to continue to push that envelope and understand that, man, everybody wants to come to the SEC. Everyone wants to come to the SEC. Um, I don't think there's a question anymore about which conference, you know, that the best of the best. Uh, ought to be wanting to play. Does it change anything about recruiting an Oklahoma or a Texas kid? Um, I, you know, I think that from the state, I don't think it changes our base uh, thoughts about what it is we're going to do. We said we're going to start in state and all 419 schools as we as the, that we identify as in state, right? And then we're going to go within that tank of gas mentality outside of that. So we're still going to take that tank of gas. We know how uh, historically successful Texas has been here. You know, and we've got those three direct flights that come out of Columbia and potentially a fourth, it sounds like, in November, which will help us there. And so, you know, that's where we're going to start in our border, tank of gas, those three flights, and which one of those takes us to DFW. And that, and that tank of gas will take us about to Oklahoma City, I think. So it's, it gives us a chance. To there you have it. If you thought Missouri was recruiting well now, just wait till they get back in the state of Texas on an even bigger emphasis you know, with playing the Longhorns and A&M and, you know, going to play Oklahoma, uh, that whole region is just going to open things up for Missouri that much more. That was key to their success in the Big 12, and I think it was key to the, the success they had early in their SEC tenure. So Missouri's got a lot on the line this year, and I don't mean that in a bad way because the, the fans are hyped, uh, everyone's loving Drinkowitz and what he's doing, but they're, they've got the momentum right now. And if they could keep that going, it's just going to get that much bigger and better because uh, that state's got a ton of talent. They start reaching into Texas more and more, start reaching into Oklahoma. This is uh, truly a team on the rise here. Came out of nowhere last year to win five SEC games. And if they're able to do that once again, we are talking potentially a top 20 finish in the country 
And hell, they've, they're already there in the recruiting rankings right now. So only imagine what they'll do uh, on that side of the ball if the direction of the program keeps trending up under Drinkowitz. All right, next let's uh, jump it all down to Rocky Top. Where Tennessee hit the practice field on Wednesday morning. They're the first SEC program to hit the practice field. And again, of course, that's because they start the season a little bit earlier. They start on a Thursday against Bowling Green. But what was the emphasis? We saw this coming, but speed, speed, speed. From those in attendance, I mean, that was the thing that stood out across the board was just how quickly this team goes. The slow, methodical Tennessee we know is dead. Uh, they're going hyper speed, whether they got the damn numbers to do it or not, uh, because they're gonna, they have to play to their advantage. And you know, it's going to be critical that these guys are in shape and can run and stay in the game because they're probably going to have incredible reps across the board. But that's their key. That's their edge, and that's what uh, potentially separates them from their competition in the SEC is having to play at that tempo. And we're going away from slow, methodical, <laughs> trying to get three yards at a time and, and do that 20 times in a row to, to hopefully get a field goal. No, we're going to be trying to you know, lob the ball down the field, try to, you try to lull people to sleep in a running game going so quick, trying to catch people off guard, not allowing defenses to substitute. Tennessee's offense is just going to be going a mile a minute under Josh Heupel. Uh, but there's one thing to kind of consider here. We get so obsessed with uh, his ability to coach quarterbacks and, and all that in the passing game and all. But, you know, during his tenure, he's also he's led a very balanced attack. Uh, UCF was uh, one season he was down there. They were in the top 10 in rushing. And the other two seasons, they were in the top 25. So he loves to run the ball. Tennessee's got a number of good running backs. And one guy that uh, we may not be – you know, it may not uh, be generating enough buzz heading into the season, is D. Beckwith, massive, massive athlete here, six foot five, two hundred and thirty something pounds. It's really unfair. I keep hearing the Derrick Henry comparisons because there's only one Derrick Henry, but he's got that build, he's got that frame, and that could be critical for Tennessee. Again, they're going fast, they're going tempo. Imagine, you know, a big pass play. They run to the line of scrimmage, and uh, all of a sudden the defense is not prepared, and now you got a Hulk coming at you, running right through the gap. I mean, how are you going to stop it? So uh, D. Beckwith potentially is going to be just a massive, massive mismatch for Tennessee. They're going to be able to use him to wear down defenses that are tired, that are running all over the field. And uh, Josh Heupel was asked about it. You really going to keep this guy at running back and his history with big running backs? Does he ha- has he ever had a running back this size? So uh, there's one point I want to make on the other side of this clip. No, I, I think uh, we have D at running back because we believe that he's a running back. We want to continue to see him progress. I thought during the course of training or uh, during spring ball, you know, his last five practices were his best. He started to understand how to press holes, use blockers in front of him. Uh, but started to use his body uh, as a true weapon, meaning that he learned how to start playing with a little bit of pad leverage too. As a big, tall, long body that back there that's got physical strength, he's got to be really good at reducing his pads to play pad under pad and, and finish plus two or, or run through a tackle. Uh, we're going to see where he's at as we get into pads. We'll find more out, but uh, certainly that's where we think he's at. When you first got here, did you look at his size and go, I, I just don't know how that's 
feasible he's going to have to prove to be able to play there? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, one of the biggest is probably Adrian Peterson uh, that I've been around just in, in his length and stature. Um, running backs, a little bit like quarterbacks, they come in different sizes, different shapes. You know, there's a great one a couple hours down the road that's a, a big human being. You know, what I mean that uh, imposes his will on people. So, um, I think uh, as I've gone through my tenure, just in coaching, uh, you found. Uh, different skill sets, uh, different body types um, that all uh, are weapons with the ball in their hands, and you try to use, utilize that. All right, so I really like these comments from Josh Heupel because, you know, as any Tennessee fan can tell you, the roster is not where they want it right now. And, you know, the thing that separates great coaches from the rest is the ability to adapt to what your players can and can't do. That's something I credit Dan Mullen for all the time. He's probably the master of it, but... With these comments, I kind of see something a little similar from Josh Heupel. He, D. Beckwith may not look like your traditional running back, but if that's where he's best suited, that's where he's going to play. And I think for, you know, more importantly for Tennessee, where their state of the roster is right now, you know, you may need help at tight end or, hell, linebacker. They're, you know, we all know they, they're desperate for help at linebacker. D. Beckwith, potentially with that frame, a lot of coaches probably move him over there. But Tennessee – I don't want to say lacking talent because, uh, you know, that's one thing I've been harping on all, harping on all offseason. They've got a lot more talent than people realize, I think. But the thing is, when you don't have the numbers, maybe you got four or five good running backs, but you don't – A, you don't want anyone to transfer out that, uh, you know, and maybe they're all great running backs, but you say, well, we got enough depth there, so maybe we can switch someone. Tennessee is – the state of their roster is not in a position when you can be losing a very talented guy. I don't think you want to mix and match. You got to utilize your players to their best ability, to their best position, even if that gives you a few too many spots, uh, uh, too many players at this spot or that spot, because the reality is, particularly in the SEC and particularly at running back, guys are potentially going to go down. So, I mean, in one game, you could be feeling great about your depth going into a game. And then on the other side of it, you're like, my God, we don't have anyone to – we don't have enough bodies at this position. So, you know, I hate to even say this, but, and that's even before, you know, COVID, you know, who knows who's going to be in and who's out. So uh, you got to put your best players at their best positions. And Tennessee needs all the help they can get when it comes to talent. So I really like this, uh, these comments from Hypo, noting that, uh, hell, he's worked with a guy that's this size before named Adrian Peterson. And last time I checked, he's a, I think he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. So, you got to look beyond what are the ideal measurables. You look at what a guy can and cannot do. You put him in a position to make plays, and that's what I'm getting from Josh Heupel here. And uh, last thing from Tennessee, Heupel was asked about uh, the retention from the spring. I thought they'd really appreciate the answer he gave. Yeah, I really feel like for pretty much everybody on the offensive unit, we are way ahead of where we finished uh, offensively. I, and I, I mentioned that on the defense side of the ball too, but – We've continued to become smarter, more understanding of what we're trying to do and, and how to operate uh, throughout the, the summer um, in that way. Quarterbacks, uh, shoot, I mean, saw them all miss throws, saw them all make throws. <laughs> I'm going to find out a lot more as we go. go. Is day one? I mean, it's day one, you know what I mean? And uh, so, but uh, it was a good day. Uh, excited uh, to go watch the video here with the staff. I can just see Shane now saying, hey, maybe this is a little bit of coach speak, and maybe it is, but. 
hey, he's fired up. He sounds positive. You know, all things considered, I think Tennessee could use a little positivity. That's been the message all off season. You know, we're having fun. You know, we're out here playing dodgeball, going to pool parties. We're going to laser tag and all this stuff. So, hey, that appears to be translating to the practice field, leaving it all out there on the field, having fun, and the retention level very high. And that's, I mean, that's music to Tennessee fans' ears right there because uh, that's your hope that uh, this offense, from what I understand, is not terribly complex. That's not to say it's uh, other defenses can figure it out. It, it's more about the tempo and the speed. So it's a really good sign, I think, that uh, that particularly the offense, Heupel is uh, excited with uh, the level of retention from the spring to day one. And I know it's just day one. It's uh, They're not even fully padded and all that. So, so I realize it's just day one of uh, fall camp. But, hey, I think that's a good start. And we'll see it on the field here in about 30 days. All right, guys. So that's all I got on this one. Like I said, it'd be a little bit of a shorter one, but uh, we are going to be just absolutely loaded with content in the coming days with all these camps from across the SEC opening. Without a doubt, we're going to be wrangling up comments from each and every team that uh, has media availabilities here in the days and weeks to come. So make sure to tune back in on Friday. We should have tons and tons of comments. Uh, to enjoy and dissect and all that and, and maybe I even get cousin Shane on the line if he's back I think he's supposed to be back from vacation so I'll reach out to him and we'll finish out the week strong but that's going to do it for this episode appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out catch you on the next one